Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Fill My Hole. My name is Phil Balabanos, and we're back. Um, we're back, but... Okay, so here's the thing. I had made arrangements as to how I was going to continue doing my podcast. Um, my wife, who was on maternity leave for most of the pandemic, I mean, up until this Monday, returned to work. Uh, which means that our little baby uh, needs some care. And she can't do it on her own while she's working. So my schedule had become, you know, stay at home, do what work I can during the day. And then at night, when the kids are asleep, come to the studio, record episodes of the podcast. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Legault, for fucking that up royally. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, lockdown 2.1.7. I don't know where we're at at this point, honestly. It kind of doesn't even make sense anymore. This is not going to be a long podcast because it's Sunday and I, I ditched out on the family to come and do this uh, because I'm pissed off. I mean, pissed off isn't even the right word because I get it, okay? Things are out of control. But adding a curfew to the measures we had last spring doesn't make any sense. Now, I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, my civil, my si- my civil, <laughs> my civil liberties are being trampled upon and like... You know what? That kind of is what's going on, but that's not why I'm mad. I mean, that's a part of it. Um, so here, let me let me try and make this make sense the way it makes sense to me in my head. There is no data, there is no science that says that between eight p.m. and five a.m. the virus spreads more easily, right? None, and that's an argument that a lot of people are making against the curfew. The thing is, that's a stupid fucking argument, okay? Like, all these memes of the virus is nocturnal, that's not what's happening. The logic behind the curfew is, if people aren't allowed out at night, they won't go to people's homes, right? Because the government, for the last three, I guess three months, since October, since they started these, like, half-assed measures that don't really make any sense if you're actually trying to control the virus... So for the past three months, the government has spent more time and more energy and more money managing the perception of their management of the pandemic and the measures than they have the actual fucking virus. They closed restaurants. It came out that public health authorities said, you don't need to close restaurants. When was it? September. But they did. And there was no real data that showed that that was a massive part of the you know, spread factor. I don't know what the right word is. So they did it anyways, fucking guys. And the restaurateurs were pissed, but everyone was like, sorry, restaurateurs, you know, mm, sorry. But now the curfew, it is exactly what it seems to be. It is a show of force. It is the government saying things didn't work because you, the citizens, didn't follow our directions. So they're claiming that the massive numbers we're seeing, and keep in mind, we haven't seen the Christmas numbers yet. Like now they're going to start yesterday, tomorrow, today. Uh, The numbers have been going up, you know, pretty evenly every day, breaking new records. I mean, it's a shit show. So now the question becomes, why is Quebec faring so much worse during this pandemic than the rest of Canada for the most part? I mean, Ontario's not doing great either, but we're, we're killing it. We're number one. Yeah, that's right. I'm a tea guy now, apparently. Stupid anxiety. Um, So here we are. 
with the government trying to prove a point and saying, you guys are doing this. This is your fault. So, for your own safety, we are imposing a curfew. But all they're really doing is telling us that they can tell us to do whatever the fuck they want, even if it doesn't make any sense. A curfew is the first step of a democratic government slipping into the realm of ter- uh, totalitarianism. Okay? Like all these Orwell memes, like I don't know if people fully get what they're fucking sharing right now. Because even though Orwell himself was a democratic socialist, a lot of what he described is a lot of the stuff that goes hand in hand with socialism when it goes too far, when the government itself is completely detached from its electorate. Because socialism in principle is a beautiful utopian concept. We all pitch in to help one another. We all pitch in to help the people who can't. And the government provides for us, the government being us, right? But that's not what's happening. And that's never what happens with these kinds of forms of government, unfortunately. Um, So this Orwellian nature of everyone, of what everyone's saying, I mean, it's not really that. I don't know if it's Orwellian in that sense, but it's definitely reminiscent of, you know, post-World War I, where for their own safety, things were done in like Nazi Germany. You know, like they imposed absolutes. Uh, I mean, just think of the ghettos, right? I mean, I'm not going to get into the parallels. It's silly and I mean, it, I don't know if it serves a purpose because if you don't study history and, you know, the whole saying you're doomed to repeat it. But this is a government flexing its muscles and saying, this is what we're going to do. Now, is it a cash grab to make money off the fines? I mean, it's pretty stupid. I, I wouldn't put it past them because they're not that, it doesn't seem like they're that bright at this point. But I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. They have spent more money and effort and time, and they've ignored the scientific community com- for the most part completely, except for Aruda. Remi- remember, I have never spoken against Dr. Horatio Aruda, ever. I will today. He literally said that there is no more flu in Quebec, okay? I'm, I'm, take a second to let that sink in. We spend millions of dollars every year, million, maybe billions, I have no idea, to be honest, but I know we spend a lot of money on flu vaccines and campaigns. And The flu is, we won. We beat the flu. Add it to the fucking list for 2020. We beat the flu and we beat terrorism. Now, if we can just get this COVID shit under control, it's amazing. There is no fucking way. It's not possible that a virus that has plagued humanity for, I mean, at least a century. I, I, don't, I don't know the, the history of influenza that in, in that kind of depth to get into anything beyond that. But I know that for at least a century, the flu has been whipping our ass every season. And sometimes it levels up. H1N1, you know, bird flu, all this stuff. I worked at the CLSC during the H1N1 pandemic, right? I was in those clinics, those vaccine clinics. And it was, there was a lot of flu. I mean, I got the flu shot this year. And maybe you're thinking, okay, all right, cool. We beat the flu because we vaccinate, right? So I'm just adjusting my mic here. It's irritating me because the focus is jumping. You know, we beat the flu. Fantastic. That's great. We won. There's no way. There was four recorded cases of the flu. How many of you have had the flu in your lives? How many of you went out and got tested to see if you had the flu? You just kind of know it's the flu sometimes. So I'm sure a lot of people who had the flu went out and got COVID tests, got negative tests, realized they had the flu, and like a normal human fucking being, stayed home and got better. I'm not saying, keep in mind, don't take my words out of context, not on purpose or maliciously, but inadvertently. I'm not saying the coronavirus is the flu. 
I'm just saying it's not possible that there is no more flu. That's all. Now, if we beat the flu this year, I'm not saying it's gone. That's bullshit. If we beat the flu this year by using the measures that we're using to fight coronavirus and the coronavirus spreading in a very similar fashion to the flu, why are we doing so bad, right? So something's going on. Something is happening. We are somehow not doing something right. And the government wants you to believe that it's because all of us secretly in the night we gather and we visit our elderly grandparents because we want them all to die. That's just not the case. I mean, are there rule breakers? There are rule breakers. Uh, are those some of the cases and some of the outbreaks? Yeah, but a lot of them are in workplaces. A quarter of them are in manufacturing, which is not shut down. It is not. It isn't. It's open. And I don't mean essential manufacturing. I mean manufacturing in general. And I'm not advocating for a total shutdown. I'm just saying if it was a total shutdown, like an actual total shutdown, I would understand. I would say, okay, this is out of control. Circuit breaker. 20, 20 days. Let's say 21 days. 21 days, no one goes fucking anywhere unless it's absolutely really essential and you give a clear list of what's essential. And that's it. We reset back to zero and we try again. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. It feels to me like the more this progresses, the more we're going to have to learn how to function openly. With, I mean, openly. I mean, as an open economy, as an open society, as a functioning society with this virus. Because the way they're managing the vaccine rollout, how long can we do this for, is what I'm saying. And I, again, I don't have the answers. These are rhetorical questions. I really don't know. Because a lot of the information that I have about this virus isn't straight fact. It's someone telling me things based on an agenda. I don't want a politician to give me information about a virus. Okay? I have no interest in that. Aruda is the one who should be giving me. He's a doctor. He's a physician. I mean, is, what kind of doctor is he? I don't even know. Write in the comments. I'll, I'm too lazy to check right now. Um, he's the one who should be giving these, these... Not even a health minister. A doctor. A physician. But that's not what's been going on. Because I've been seeing doctors and researchers and bioethicists and geneticists gathering online to share information about COVID. And they've, a lot of them have organized, actually. I reached out to a few who I'd like to have on the show because I want to talk with people who are studying this, who are not trying to implement some kind of um, campaign or plan. Or they, they, All they care about is the information. And that's what I care about here because you can't make... Like, I can't even formulate a proper opinion on the matter because I don't have the data that I need to do that. Now, maybe it's very possible that I don't have the education necessary to take all that data, you know, tabulate it and figure out what's right and how to move forward. I mean, it's, it's possible. I, I, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying it'd be nice to have an opportunity to do that. But the government of Quebec, I'm not, Canada's not doing much better. We've effectively... Like, we have martial law to some extent. I mean, I, I, won't, I won't hyperbolize, but we basically have martial law right now. Um, we still have legally our civil liberties because they haven't enacted the War Measures Act in Canada. I mean, the Emergency Measures, the Emergency Act or whatever, it's, I forget what it's called in Quebec, that doesn't give them absolute, uh, like, tyrant power over us. 
I mean, we haven't given that up officially yet, even though if you think about it, we have. I mean, we've given up a lot and it's been death by a thousand cuts over the last 15 years. I mean, we haven't just said, oh, okay, here's everything. Like our privacy is gone. Uh, control of our private online lives is gone. That That's done. I mean, that was a fight. We lost that fight. I'm not even going to pretend to fight it. Just chip me already and be done with it. That's how I feel about it sometimes. Like you look at what's happening in the States with this insurrection. I mean, that was the shittiest insurrection I've ever seen. And they made it sound like it was White House down, honestly. I'm not even getting, I'm not even going to get into the impeaching Trump and all that and everything that came after that. But these people who did this, the ones who marched on the Capitol, I'm using them as an example here. They can be compared to the people who marched against, I guess, I mean, against the curfew. Let's use that as an, a very loose comparison right now. They're so disenfranchised with the mainstream narrative, the one coming from the government and the mainstream news, they will literally believe anything, anything that is different. Anything that makes it feel like someone is driving the fucking car as we barrel down this cliff. And there are days where I feel the same, honestly, there are. But I try to pull myself back off that cliff. And I mean... If you're a listener of this show or you watch me on Pentelicer channel, you know I've been dealing with anxiety that seemingly came out of nowhere. It's not out of nowhere. I used to be able to trust my gut, to know what was right for me, safe for me, for my kids, for my wife, for my family. I don't fucking know anymore. Okay? I don't know what to trust. I read things that at face value make me angry. Then I think about it and I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And I'm not talking about like kooky cons conspiracy theories. I'm talking about like a doctor sharing something that I find to be uh, inflammatory for some reason because it scares me. And I'm like, how dare he or she try to scare us into submission? But I'm like, wait a second, this is a doctor. What if this is real? And then the government says something completely anathema to that. So who am I supposed to listen to? I can't trust my gut. I don't have the information. I can't trust the government at this point. They're just fucking putting out fires because they're going to be up for re-election around the same time this shit goes away. Then you have Twitter this morning. I mean, I'm all over the place today, but guys, I'm frustrated. Twitter this morning. What the fuck was that guy's name? Brock something. It's a well-known Quebec separatist dude. We got an emergency alert, just like we get with Amber Alerts, right? said, fucking stay home, motherfuckers. That's what it said. None of those words. <laughs> it was in French also. Uh, it said, emergency alert, curfew in effect. Zik heil and go step yourselves straight to your homes, you know? And this guy got pissed that it was bilingual. And he said, apparently, important information in Quebec means that we forget about our culture. And I'm paraphrasing. I, I, check out my Twitter. It's at P. Balabanos. You'll see I made fun of the fucking asshole. But are you for real right now? This is what you're worried about? Get the fuck out of here. The government literally is stripping us of our rights for our own safety, might I add, for our own safety, right? Just to keep us safe. I think it's to keep their fucking legacy intact because they now have realized what a shit job they've done because every decision, look, leading properly, leading, yeah, leading, no, that's the right word. Leading properly doesn't mean everyone likes you, okay? It means that when you're done, 
being that leader, the leader of that moment in time, that people are better off than they would have been had you not been. People might hate you for it. It's not a popularity contest. Once you're in, you need to do what needs to be done so that everyone can be, I mean, not better off than they were because things happen out of your control, right? But to the best of your ability, you need to help the society grow, right? That's what a leader does. And he does it by example. Sometimes. I mean, no, he always, a good leader does, a good leader leads by example. I'm sorry, I, I fucked myself up there. A good leader leads by example. I'm not saying that Legault has been out and partying. Uh, example is not the issue here. The issue is that he's making decisions, him and all his ministers, his cabinet ministers and all, everyone involved, they are making decisions. And then after they're like, okay, this is the best course of action to stop this spread. They look at it and they go, mm, people aren't going to like this in our camp. Let's, uh, let's pull this one out and leave this operational and let's pick and choose what makes sense. I just realized I didn't turn off the fucking air purifier before I started this show. And if it's annoying, I'm sorry. I'll try and get it in post. I'm not sure if it'll work. But hey, at least I'm safe and I'm not inhaling coronavirus. Speaking of air purifiers, I was watching the mainstream news, the six o'clock news on CTV with my my childhood anchor, the anchor who's been on TV since before I was born, Mitsumi Takahashi. Was that racist? I'm not sure. No, I mean, it's cool that she's Japanese and she's the face of English Montreal media. Like, good for everybody. She's an interesting story, by the way, Mitsumi Takahashi. And she's aged phenomenally. I have to say, Mitsumi, if you're listening to my podcast, big fan of how you've aged, you look fantastic. I mean, I forget how old I am when I still see that you're on TV. I'm like, I must be 19. So random, such a random segue. So the government is making decisions. Uh, a lot of those decisions have to do with the schools, like the school system. And what I've noticed is there's been this talk of UVC air filtration, right? I mean, I have one. I don't know if you guys can see it, the ones that you were watching. Boop. That is an air filter with a UVC light inside, a germicidal light. It kills everything. I... Do I need it in here? I don't know. Um, honestly, I just want to know that if I am leaving the safety of my home and I'm coming here, that when I'm in here, this is a clean space. Um, I didn't have it before, but then I got sick. And even though the coronavirus test that I did, the COVID test said negative, I mean, I felt exactly like Preach was here the other day. He was talking with Pantelis. They, were, they have a podcast that just came out. You guys can listen to it the Pantelis podcast. Um, he talked about how he felt when he, cause he caught COVID bad apparently. And he described exactly my experience minus like the, the low blood oxygen, right? Like he his was so bad at one point, his fingers were blue. I didn't have that, but everything else I had, the, the, the tightness, the trying to walk and not being able to the, all the stuff you hear about. Now, the thing is a lot of viruses can do that to you, but having experienced it so recently, I mean, I don't want to feel that way again, so I'm just being careful. Um, also, it's all for nothing because my daughter went back to daycare, so I'm a walking fucking dichotomy. I'm saying the school should be closed because it would make more sense. Let's just fucking do it. But at the same time, I'm sending my kid to school because honestly, my wife working from home and me with both kids while I'm also trying to do things, impossible. But we did it anyways for a week. We're like, fuck it. We're not going to send her back yet. Let's see what's going on, you know? 
Let's wait for the announcements. Let's see what he says. Let's see what the cases are like. Let's check with the daycare. The daycare who I can't, I can't complain about. They've had no cases. They've been, you know, knock on wood. They're, I trust them. I mean, absolutely I trust them uh, because I know them also. I, it's the same daycare that I went to. It's the same person in charge. So we sent her back because she was like miserable. I can't take her out to play during the day because we have a baby and it's too cold for the baby. I can't leave the baby to take her out because my wife is busy working. She just started work again. She's what people had, you know, almost a year now to adapt to. She's doing for the first time for her. It's March, 2020. You know, it's like, she just started work from home. It's going to take her some time to adjust. And she's not like a, like a low level key pusher. Like she's managing a team, right? So, she needs to be able to focus on them. She has Zoom calls. She has work. She has work to do. That's, I mean, she has work to do. So the kid is bored. She needs other kids. I remember during the deepest parts of the original lockdown, lockdown 1.0, she was just sad. And it, it broke my heart to see her that way. And, and what are we doing? What are we teaching them right now that a virus that can't hurt them? Because, I mean, okay, in some instances it can't. But a virus that can't hurt them has completely disrupted their lives. I'm not saying that they're going to be long-term scarred, but it's hard to teach a child under the age of six fear for another. Like that kind of, it's not empathy, that's not the right word. I mean, you tell a kid, wash your hands, you're going to get sick, right? It's pretty straightforward. You tell a kid, wash your hands, we can't go out because if one of us gets sick, even though we'll be fine most likely, or we might not even notice that we're sick because that's possible too. You're going to kill grandma. <laughs> even if that kid washes their hands all the time and somehow with zero contact with grandma, grandma gets sick and dies, that's going to stay with that kid. It's going to fuck them up. The overall lockdown, quarantine, in and out for two, three years, if they're under six, chances are they won't remember it. My daughter will have some memories of this period of her life. I don't know what they will be like. I mean, I remember a few bits and pieces of my life from when I was about four or five. <coughs> a lot of it is based on home videos or photos. I think that I've, I've, I've rebuilt those memories in my mind. Um, I don't know how much of it I actually remember and how much of it I've rebuilt. Um, Blade Runner style. <laughs> I don't know what she'll remember. The baby won't remember anything. Billy won't remember a damn thing. I know that. But like, I have nieces and nephews who are a bit older. One's 13, one's 10. I was 13 when the ice storm happened. I remember the ice storm vividly. I remember how much fun it was for, <laughs> for starters. But I also remember the visceral fear that was in the air. Because people didn't know what to do. We were relatively lucky during the ice storm because of where I grew up in Kozanej and it being like the hub of all the hospitals and healthcare institutions of the city and universities. Generators were running. I mean, we lost power like for 20 minutes once and then for like a couple hours a second time and that was it. I, but I, I still remember like speaking with my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents at the time. And there was this overarching sense of like doom. People didn't know how long until things got back to normal. So... And it really wasn't that bad, if you think about it. Like, compared to this, I mean, that was dangerous. The ice storm was dangerous. Don't get me wrong. 
but it wasn't long. It was a couple of weeks in the city, a couple of months it like dragged out to a certain extent in other regions. And then the long lasting effects went on for, I mean, years almost, but it wasn't like imminent threat. It wasn't imminent danger after those initial months. Now, I mean, it's been a year since we first, it's been over a year since we first heard the word coronavirus and COVID-19. And I, I mean, nothing has changed. Sure, we have a vaccine. Okay, great. But I'm not seeing any governments, I mean, local governments here, change their stance on how they're approaching this. They're still operating like politicians. They're still, which they are, but they're operating from a place of what can I do that's good that also keeps me in their good graces. You know what will keep you in my good graces? If we all come out of this quicker and healthy and okay. That'll make me happy. Still won't fucking vote for you because I think you're an idiot. But that's different. I mean, that has nothing to do with your politics. It has more to do with the one time I met you and you left the worst impression on me of my life. It was just, I mean, I think I've told this story. <laughs> Years ago, I was at the, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this story again. I was at the Assemblée Nationale in Quebec City. The, the National Assembly and I was shooting some video for uh, a member of a member of the National Assembly an MNA I won't say who or what party just I was working I mean it wasn't like a partisan thing they hired me so I'm there and uh, I'm with my buddy George George from the morning show who also does the backstage podcast and this show, the what is this other show called the other, the other show with the dads just us dads George and I are in an elevator and the now prime minister, who was then the party leader, I think this is before, I think he had just founded the CAC, the worst named political party in history. And he gets in the elevator with us and I'm holding a camera on a monopod. It's off with a lens cap on in my hands, the way you'd hold a briefcase facing the floor. He gets in the elevator, the elevator, he had a, like a political attache with him. The elevator doors close. He looks at me, looks at George says nothing nods hello you know whatever whatever looks at george realizes he knows him and says hey george how are you you know and george is like uh i'm good he goes uh making a little video and george goes well, well yeah and he looks at me he goes that a camera i'm like yes it is so i lift it up this is a camera guys it's a fucking camera everyone knows what a camera looks like the lens pointed over my shoulder with the, the viewfinder off and I just lift it. I go, yeah, it's a camera. And he looks and he goes, cheese. I look at him. I go, you know, the camera's off and pointing away from you. He's like, oh, he was embarrassed. I thought he was just fucking around. So I was fucking around and I realized he didn't notice. Now you may think this is a petty, weird little story, anecdotal nothingness. But just think about that for a second. The man who posed for a photo of a... Uh, okay, well, let's put this in context. This man, the man, the man posed for a photo, okay? He posed for a photo to a video camera that was off, facing away from him, and posed wholeheartedly. This man now is in charge of our futures. He is running the province we live in. He is managing its finances to some extent. Well, not to some extent. He is and his party. This is the guy in charge. This is our commandante. 
okay? Sure, it's a silly story. It's a funny story. Maybe I shouldn't judge the guy for it. But that interaction says a lot to me. And I think about it often, to be completely honest. Because he's in charge now, and we're in the shitter. And the same decision-making process that happened in that elevator on that day, the I want to be likable, so I'm going to do stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense because I want to be likable, the politician in him, it's coming out now again because these measures don't make sense. I want to see the fucking science. I have half a mind to start a fucking movement right now. That's how angry I am about the curfew. Not because of civil, liber civil liberties, though. I'm having a hard time with that word. My issue with the curfew is a mental health issue. I rarely go out after 8 in the winter. It's dark, it's cold, I don't give a shit. But I sometimes come to the studio to work. Now, to, for that reason, it's an inconvenience. Okay? An inconvenience. I'm not frustrated to the point that I'm going to fucking march on the assembly. But the part of me that still struggles with anxiety, right? The part of me that, that, that has that issue. I mean, it's not all one fill, right? There's variations of me. Shades of fill, if you will. But anxious fill, the second he heard you can't leave your house after 8, anxious fill dialed up to 10. He was like, what do you mean? I'm fucking trapped in my house. I can't leave? Why? What the fuck? What's going to happen? It's not even a logic. It's an irrational fear. I know that. Anxiety is an irrational fear. But to do that, like my anxiety is manageable. Like I live a relatively normal life, except for sometimes I feel anxious. I mean, I started recording this and I got a little animated and I just felt all of a sudden just this tightness in my chest. So I stopped and I restarted. Big deal. I lost five minutes of my time. It's not a big deal. Honestly, it's not. But for a lot of people, their mental health struggle is not just a little bit of anxiety. So imposing a curfew on people, especially if they're living alone, come on, man. Like there's no logical reason to do it except to show a show of force, to say, hey, chick, chick, stay home. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. I'm sorry, I'm so distracted. Just side note here, guys. There is like, I don't know, a half kilometer between me and the next building across this parking lot. And they have a photo studio on the top floor. They have the craziest flashes going off right now. It's just like in my peripheral vision. I just, my blinds are open this much and I can see them. It's nuts. I wonder what they're shooting up there. I often wonder when I see, I'm like a, you know, the whole uh, man at a construction site. That's why they put holes. Like my dad, he would always be like, what are they building here? Let me see how they're building using the, using the two by four with the nails, eh? Like, like he knows that. I mean, he knows a bit, but like a photo studio or any kind of camera, I'm always like, what kind of lens you got on there, buddy? Hmm? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, no, for sure. Sure. Does the job. I just become this like bro dad guy. It's weird. They're really fucking going nuts up there. Anyways, it's a show of force. What can we do about it? I have no idea. A friend of mine shared this video with me, a, a local... Uh, content creator it was a french video talking about how in a democracy we the people still have the power i mean yes sure but don't do we what what power do we have left we aren't the majority the silent majority is just waiting this out consequences be damned to go back to their semblance of a life their punch in punch out maybe play with my kids buy a lot of shit and be miserable while i think i'm happy 
That was dark. I don't know what happened there. But a lot of people live like that. There's, there's no substance to their lives. They're just, they're just living. They're just alive. I don't know if they're living. They're alive. And they're the ones who just want to go back to normal because they don't know any better. They're the ones who won't put too much thought or stock into stuff. Then you have the generation of, X, of Gen Xers and the boomers. Facebook destroyed them. And they've all just gone down these conspiracy, like Q rabbit holes. It's crazy. And half of them are terrified and half of them are down the rabbit hole. You know, it's, it's weird. I like, I, sometimes I talk with my dad and he'll, he'll say a few things that make a lot of sense to me. And then he'll bring up the whole Bill Gates thing. You think he's trying to chip us. I'm like, I, I, we're already chipped dad. We're all chipped. We all have, where's my fucking here. I have an iPad. It's chipped. I have a MacBook. It's chipped. My, my watch, I'm chipped. Look at this. It's a wearable. It's on me. It knows where I am all the time. So, I mean, we've given up a lot. It's, it's, we've given it up by a thousand cuts, though. And to think that now, somehow, right now, people are going to rise up and be like, that's enough. No, that's not going to happen. There's no revolution coming. There's no insurrection coming. I don't think so, anyways. People are too frightened. And to be honest, I'm scared, too. Because I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what coronavirus really is or what it does or what it doesn't do and how to fight it. And I don't know. So I'm just going to get vaccinated and be done with it. And then maybe I won't feel scared anymore. And I, that's, that's a win for me. I don't know if I'm scared of the virus. I don't know if I'm scared of not knowing. Does the vaccine cure not knowing? I don't know. Maybe. It's possible. This has been a strange episode. Kind of aggressive, I guess. I don't know. I've said I don't know like six times because honestly, I don't know. That's what I'm going to call this episode. Fill my hole. Phil, don't know. Phil, don't know. I'm going to wrap it up here, guys, and remind you all that if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or I think Audible, it's on Audible too now. Yes, Audible. You can watch it in its video form on YouTube. Sometimes I post it to Instagram, but Instagram is weird. And sometimes the videos just don't upload for some reason. Um, so YouTube is the place to find it. You can find all that information at balabanos.com. Next week, hopefully, if all goes well and the schedule permits it, because I've reached out and we've communicated, I will have a member of the scientific community on the show with me to discuss the facts and the misconceptions and the lies and the fallacies of COVID-19. My name is Phil Balabanos. Stay safe. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I will see you when I see you, which is in the next episode. Hopefully, I will be accompanied by a greater mind than my own. Be safe. You've been listening to Fill My Hole. This podcast is available on YouTube in its full video form. If you're lazy and you don't want to Google it and you don't want to search on YouTube, balabanos.com, hit the podcast section. You can subscribe directly to the RSS feed there. My name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next time.